Christ the King Sudden Valley, we are an authentic Christian community, reaching out to people in love, acceptance, and forgiveness, so they may experience the joy of salvation and a purposeful life of discipleship. We encourage you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. We meet at the barns located in Gate 2. Also, you can find us on Facebook at CTK Sudden Valley or go to www.ctk.church. Now, let's join Pastor Jason Manning as he continues his series entitled Change, a study of change through the book of John. So this morning, we are going to address the, uh, the biggest, most controversial change uh, that does or doesn't happen in a household. Um, how many of you, how many of you load the dishwasher at your house? Raise your hand. Okay, so all you put your hands down. If you don't load the dishwasher, go ahead and raise your hand. So these are the group of people that load the dishwasher completely wrong, right? Um, right? Isn't that true? Um, everybody who loads the dishwasher knows how to load it, and then everybody who doesn't, lo- or actually who fills in sometimes, they just don't load it right. Have you ever been to somebody's house who loads it completely wrong? Like, how do their dishes even get clean? Like, it's crazy, right? Um, no, um, but seriously, at my mom's house for holidays, my brothers and I, uh, we have this game we play. And, uh, and for this game, we, uh, after dinner, try to get as many of the dishes done and into the dishwasher, get it completely loaded and start it before she sees what we're doing. Uh, because my mom is that like, you gotta load it one way or not. We have yet to get to the point where we start it before she's already unloading all the dishes and putting them back on the counter and then reloading it. Um, so sometimes she just tells us to stop, we leave, and then she unloads it because she doesn't want us to feel the shame that she's putting on us. Um, but, um, you know, it's kind of funny because as I thought about our topic this week, uh, if you've got young children, this is what you have to look up, look forward to, but if you've got, like, older kids that are, you know, I mean, the 12, 13, 14, 15-year-olds that got life all figured out, um, if you've got some of those, you, you realize that they let you know that you aren't doing things efficiently or the right way or uh, <clears throat> a certain way it needs to be done this way, especially when it comes to technology. Like when it comes to my phone or my computer, I often have to get my uh, 14-year-old to let me know what, uh, what, um, what I'm doing wrong or what I need to change. Um, and so uh, at the beginning of this series, if you ran, I mentioned that, and sometimes it's really hard to receive that from your kids. I mentioned that we would talk about the idea of uh, those that maybe, I don't know if scared's the right word, scared of change or uh, reluctant to change, uh, f- have a little fear, have a little discomfort with what change is, um, which I feel is to some extent probably most everybody in the room when it comes to some certain type of thing that you do in your life or don't do. Um, but change can oftentimes mean for some people, uncertainty. Uh, change can mean loss in some cases. Uh, change can mean feeling uncomfortable. Um, anything new or different uh, isn't always easy. Change isn't always easy. Um, but I, I want us to think about with the right mindset, the right idea, with the right understanding, with with an open mind and open hands, um, 
Change can be, can be filled with hope, can be filled with uh, promise, can, um, change can produce opportunity, it can, um, it can bring restoration, it can, uh, change can be thought of something that just literally brings even the slightest glimmer of hope in uh, our lives. And I think oftentimes we can get stuck Stuck in the way uh, things have always been. Stuck with uh, it's always been done this certain way. Uh, it's all that we know, maybe. All that we've been taught and understand. Uh, I did a little Google search uh, for around this idea and what, I mean, quite frankly, what somebody like me could be called by, say, somebody like a 14-year-old. Uh, a broken record, um, a diehard, a dinosaur, uh, a fuddy-duddy. I, I like that. That was kind of fun. But here's, here's, here's a real one that I heard. None of, no kids in middle school and high school are saying those words. Those were the words when we were kids. Um, but this is the new one that's out there. Whatever, boomer. Have you heard that one? <laughs> so in reference to baby boomers, like, I guess, I mean, the rumor has it there's like middle school teachers who are brought to tears by that comment, whatever, boomer. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty creative, right? Old fart, old fogey, stuck in the mud. And it, as, as comical as it might be, uh, I, I think it can actually be kind of real. I think it can actually be real. And honestly, the longer we are around, whether it's just life or the longer we or walking with Christ and, and, and kind of interacting with him, if we aren't careful, the longer that is, we're into the journey, the more true that can be for us. Uh, so I want to hit kind of a perspective change for us this morning. I want to hit a perspective change by asking the question, are we, are, are you and I, are, are we too focused, and I, I, I was told I misspelled focused, See, I added the extra S. It was infinite, focused. Uh, are we too focused? I obviously, I bet you, oh, no, yeah, it's not. It's a blank in your outline, so just you spell it right. Um, uh, you don't have to misspell it if you don't want to. Um, so uh, are we too focused on how we do things to see what Jesus is doing? The question for us this morning is are we... Is that too much of a distraction? Take focus off the screen. <laughs> Everybody's like lost. They're like, I can't handle it. There we go. Good. Are we too focused on how we do things to see what Jesus is doing? Focus. Here. Come on. Stay with me. Stay with me. Uh, are we too focused on how we do things to see what Jesus is doing? I feel like we can get stuck in the actions of doing and, and being that we can actually miss what is really going on around us, right? We, we can miss opportunities in ways that Jesus might be working or, or even willing to work in our lives if we're too focused on, on the way we've done things all along, all we know, all we do, uh, the way it's been forever, right? Listen to these words. Uh, John, we're going to be in John chapter 7 today, so if you've got a Bible, you can open up to John chapter 7. We'll jump back to 5 for one verse and then uh, head to 8 uh, for a verse as well. You know what? First of all, has anybody got homework to turn in? 
Glenn, I, I signed homework last week. No? All right. Glenn's got homework. He, he did it. So uh, back in the back is your pro-app guide. If we skip over a couple chapters like we are doing this week, skipping over chapter 6, uh, go ahead and do your pro-app, read through it, and see what God tells you about that chapter. We're going to be in chapter 7. Uh, it starts with this. Chapter 7, verse 1. Glenn's really mad at me now. Uh, after this, and I want to stop there. After this, whatever happened beforehand, after this, uh, what, what was going on during this time? If you've read through the first six chapters of John, we know that Jesus has been healing people, walking on water, feeding 5,000. Uh, he did that walking dead sermon analogy that uh, in, just before chapter 7 and chapter 6 where he says, if you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, I am the bread of life, eat of my flesh. And then it's, I love it because, you know, it's that sermon that's like really controversial probably at that time and like, it actually records half of the disciples got up and walked out. Thank you for not walking out when I, uh, when I either have a miss or am I challenging you too much. Um, but uh, all that is going on at this time. And it says, after this, Jesus went around in Galilee. He didn't want, he didn't want to go about in Judea because the Jewish leaders were looking for a way to kill him. Because he'd been healing walking on water, feeding 5,000. I mean, these horrible, atrocious things he was doing. And they wanted him dead because they were, he was challenging the, the, the way that they knew, the everyday that they knew. Uh, they didn't see Christ because they were too focused on the past ways of operating, on how things uh, were done. They, they, they couldn't even see Jesus for a guy that was doing amazing things at that time, and they just wanted to rid him, get rid of him, um, which again, in and of itself is why I prayed this morning, Lord, even with the message today, uh, I, I want to be in step with you. I want to be in step with him. I don't, I don't want to color outside of the lines. I don't want to act in a way that's inappropriate just because it's a new thing and a new uh, area of living and all that kind of, like, we want to stay grounded in Christ, but we want to allow him to do the work, right? Christ isn't our, like, guardrails. Like, he is the center focus of it, and then from that, he works in our lives. Uh, and so that's my prayer for this. But, um, and and uh, we see at that time that the, the, the Jewish leaders, the, the royal officials of that time, even as we looked at one last week, um, they wanted him dead. And the controversy between Jesus and the Jews was that they were unable to see the purpose in which uh, to see the, the, uh, the purpose in which Jesus had come to fulfill the law, the original law. Right? They were too focused on the law in itself and didn't realize that the laws that they were following and, and what God had laid out for them actually pointed to Jesus. In Scripture, Old Testament, prophecy, all of that stuff pointed to Jesus' coming and, and, and it being fulfilled by Jesus. But they were so focused on those laws and, and the, the ins and outs of doing those laws that they didn't realize that they were actually pointing to Jesus and who he was. That Jesus had actually, uh, the overall theme was that his fulfillment was for the past, was for the present, and was for eternity. 
right? John 5 says this, as we jump back there, it says, you studied the scriptures, he's talking to these people, you studied the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are, uh, these are the very scriptures that testify about me. Jesus says this, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Jesus is saying here, yeah, all those laws, not necessarily a bad thing, but when you're focused on them, you lose sight of me, of which all those laws are pointing to. The fulfillment of all of it. The law was not given so that you had our ability to fulfill what we feel, you know, I mean, the 613 laws of the Old Testament are not obsolete today, but we don't follow those to a T. Uh, but whatever those laws for us of the do's and don'ts of life, the laws weren't given so that you would do your fulfillment, your obligation to God. Like, that's not how, those, how we operate as far as what we should or shouldn't do in our lives. And uh, with, with, with them, they saw it as, 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 as such. They saw it that they had to, f out of their obligation to God, they had to fulfill those things. And the purpose of the law and the, the purpose of why we do any of those things that we feel like or we kind of feel the Spirit telling us or we feel like we should or shouldn't do, uh, we, we, we live in that way so that we see Jesus, so that we come into Jesus' presence. Why we do anything, why we do anything is to Enter into Jesus' presence. Is it all spelled right up there now? Good. Why we do anything in our lives is so that we can enter into, further into Jesus' presence. Like the Jewish leaders at that time, we too, I think, can lose track of Jesus when our focus changes from him into how we do things or how things are, are or were done. What isn't or isn't getting done? If those are our focuses, we focus on that and we can lose sight of Jesus. Verse 11, John 7, 11 through 13 says, uh, the Jews were looking for him at the feast and saying, where is he? And there was much muttering about him among the people. While some of them said, he is a good man. Others said, no, he's leading the people astray. Yet for, uh, for fear of the Jews, no one spoke openly to him. And so at this time, Jesus is doing all this stuff, healing people, bringing this new idea, this new way, the new fulfillment of which everything had pointed to to that time. And uh, in verse 12, it says, there was much muttering about him among the people. Now, in that case, John uses a specific word that's only used a very few times in the Bible, but it's the same word, and I believe John knows it. It's the same word, uh, Gongiz Moses, Moses, Gongiz Moses, you know, Logos told me how to say that. Um, but it's to express one's discontent, to complain or grumble about something. And it's the same word that's used when Moses is delivering the people out of Egypt. If you remember uh, at that time, and John knows this, at that time God, God had said he was leading them to the promised land. 
right? God had delivered them. God had promised. He had already parted the sea. He led them by the fire, directed their path, delivered manna from heaven, bread from heaven when they were hungry, water when they were thirsty, right? All that stuff was going on, and then what did God's people do that he was leading? They complained and muttered aimlessly, even though God had done all this stuff for them. And in very similar situation, now fast forward to the New Testament, and Jesus is on the scene, and all this stuff is happening. He's healing. He's feeding thousands. He's teaching in a way that nobody's ever taught before. He's opening his arms to everybody. He's presenting this new idea of love and what he's going to stand for. And what are the people doing? They're muttering and complaining, right? And I, and I, 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 I don't think oftentimes it's much different for us and where we're at in our lives. And that change isn't always something we desire, right? That we actually feel maybe we're, we're fine or we've uh, convinced ourselves that we're good with the way that life is that uh, we like things the way that they are, um, or, or maybe uh, change, maybe, maybe that's where you land. Uh, and if you remember, we kind of launched this series with the idea is like God's totally all right with where you are, but he's not all right with you staying there. Right? He has so much more for us. Or maybe, maybe for you, you feel like change can't come quick enough. Man, I desire change. I, 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 I want to be quick to accept that change. But it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And, and then I go back to, the, well, I mean, I don't want it too bad. I'd just rather kind of, rather than do all that work or, or, or trust Jesus now, I'd just rather kind of hang out where I'm at. Like, I think I got it pretty good. And I think oftentimes, your next blank is, we are bothered by change because it's too disruptive. It's too disruptive in our life. Whether we think good or bad or a good situation, bad situation, uh, new direction or kind of a little tweak and a little turn in the path or whatever it may be, oftentimes we're bothered by that because it's just too disruptive of the way life is and what you have going on in your life right now, big or small, good or bad, but it bothers us. And I I think it can keep us from or deter us from change because of how disruptive it can be in our lives? Does your life staying the same or as close to the same as possible keep you from interacting or pressing into some sort of change? And I believe, in the Bible, I think, I'm pretty positive, where it says God's word's living and active. Um, Living and active to me kind of denotes the idea of change, not just staying the same. Like God's word is living and active uh, in our lives. It should be. And so for me, that almost actually makes that jump to change very small if I'm allowing God's uh, word to do that in my life. Jesus wants you to be and get there. If, 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 if where he has for what he has for you is, is over there. He wants you to get there. Like that's his desire for you to get there in your life. 
but it involves some change and it involves some working with him and trusting him, maybe in new and creative ways. It involves a new mindset or a new outlook even. And for, for the people of that time, and maybe even for us, they couldn't see Jesus for who he was and for what he was doing. Uh, and and uh, because of that, they had lost, they, they had no desire to see this movement that Jesus was bringing. Now, two weeks ago, we looked at a guy, Nicodemus, and I love this little interaction that comes in chapter seven because it kind of denotes and, 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 and speaks to some of that, uh, some of that uh, change. Um, it says this. Oh, no, I'm jumping ahead. Uh, this is, uh, John chapter seven is actually the Feast of the Tabernacles, and so if you know at this time, they had three times during the year where they got together for the, for one reason or another, the Feast of the Tabernacles was the, was the, uh, the, the celebration of the crops uh, finishing. And so they would get together. They would all, as many as could, would converge, converge on Jerusalem. Uh, and they would gather together for this. And, and, and I love this interaction that Jesus has for this. He says, uh, Jesus said to them, uh, I did one miracle, and you were all amazed. Yet because Moses gave you circumcision, though actually he did not, it uh, did not come from Moses, but from the patriarchs, You're, uh, you circumcise a boy on the Sabbath. Now, if a boy can be circumcised on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses may not be broken, why are you angry with me for healing a man's whole body on the Sabbath? Stop judging by, more, uh, by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. And so if you, you missed last week's sermon, we talked about Jesus is healing the guy at the pools, and, and he tells him to take up his mat and walk, and then uh, he picks up his mat and walks, and they, like, challenge him. They're like, why are you, why are you walking? The guy's like, dude, I've been laying down for 38 years, the Bible says. I'm I like, Jesus told me he didn't know his, claimed he didn't know his Jesus. The guy told me to get up and walk. I'm going to walk. Uh, and, and so Jesus is saying here, also at that time, uh, all baby boys born would be circumcised on the eighth day, no matter what that was. And so on the eighth day, even if it fell on the Sabbath, they would circumcise the, the boy child. And, uh, and, and, and Jesus is saying here, and, and that was like really something that was highly important for them at that time, right? Like if you didn't do that on the eighth day, like spiritually that was like it could wreck the whole outcome of everything. And, and if you catch that and that idea of what's going on culturally at that time, I mean, that's like putting uh, our hope back in our hands and our ability to do something. A lot like, I mean, if you've been around, we celebrate baptisms, right? Baptism is something that, that the Bible tells each of all believers to do, is to be baptized, right? But... If you are not baptized, are you going to heaven? If you love, trust, and put your faith in Jesus, accept his forgiveness, and, and, and live your life for him, yes. Yes, you are. Right? It's not hinged on that. And at that time, even this circumcision on the eighth day had that much importance on it. Right? And you see that that puts the, uh, your, your spiritual, your eternity in the hands of the ability to do something here on earth rather than in Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection, 
forgiveness of all sins that we trust and put our faith in him. Like, it puts it back on the shoulders. And, 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 and that's what Jesus is talking about here. He's like, wait a second, you can circumcise somebody so spiritually like they're right with you, but I can't even heal a whole man's body? And you're going to get that annoyed with, with what I'm doing? Like, and, and so I love that interaction. Jesus is like, that doesn't make any And he says there, he says, stop judging by mere appearance of something and instead judge correctly. Like, I'm, I'm the one that scriptures have foretold was coming. I'm the, I'm the savior. I, I, I came to restore everybody. And, and, and you're getting hung up on a technicality of my healing. And, 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 and Moses' people, the religious leaders of that day, both cases, they had uh, been acting in a situation where God was calling them to a different way, delivering them, leading them into a different path, actually even showing them the path that they're going on, teaching them and interacting with them in a, in a very, similar, very similar situation for the people of Jesus' day was the same thing, and John recorded it, that they didn't see him for what he was. Their perspective on the change that was occurring far outweighed their ability to truly see Jesus and what was going on with uh, his purpose and his meaning. And it's not much dissimilar to where we sit here today. Are we suppressing the change that God is calling to? Uh, where is our, our focus on these things? Is it how we ought to do things or how we should do things? Don't should on anybody, right? Uh, do we see change? Do you perceive the situation and, 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 and what's being changed around you to be something more than Jesus, or are you focused in on how you uh, should do things or how you should uh, live and operate uh, your life based on either what you think the Bible says about it or based on just surviving and, and doing what you have to do? Is it more than your desire to keep things just right where they're at? Pretty good. I'm just going to like my life. I like my Saturday. I like my... You know, my midweek break that I take in the evening, I don't know what it may be. I'm just going to kind of keep it the way it is because it's comfortable. I wrote in this book that I was reading this week, uh, it's a lot of interactions in the book of John, and it kind of walks through this. I wrote in this book just in the margin. I was like, change things up. Like, switch things up a little bit. Um, and, and, and I think if we don't do that, we might miss seeing Jesus work in, in ways that he that you wouldn't even imagine him work, an ability to work in ways that you wouldn't even imagine, in places you, you wouldn't normally uh, expect. I read an article this week, uh, and the article title was, maybe it jumped up on your Facebook, maybe it was just because uh, I was searching this topic of, of Jesus working in creative ways. Uh, the title of the article was, was this, I went to the strip club with a bunch of pastor's wives. And I was like, whoa. That is a crazy title to a message. And so then I got permission to click on it. And, um, <laughs> and again, I'm not suggesting that we're, like, going to do this. Um, but it was just about this lady who said that she got invited to go to a strip club with a bunch of pastor's wives. And they actually, no joke, they actually started a ministry. They would enter in, be ushered straight back into the back, and they would 
just start loving on these, uh, these dancers that are in this club. And, uh, and, you know, it didn't go into a ton of detail further into it, but it just talked about how eye-opening that was. To see creatively, I know, <laughs> tell you what, it's outside my box too. All of you are like, really? Like, no, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. And, and, then, and then I had a conversation with Colby a little bit later on in the week where Colby was telling me about an exercise that he was doing at school where they would bring up a political idea and the teacher would allow them to uh, talk about, discuss this political idea, and then he'd stop and he'd say, now, step outside of your personal view, your personal bias. Intentionally step outside of that and then have a conversation about it and, and look at the differences of how you might be able to see things. And, and watching my 14-year-old talk through that, I could see that he was like, it was very beneficial for him to just step back, separate him, himself from what he thinks he ought to believe and all this kind of stuff, and just look at uh, the idea with an open mind and open hands. And, and, and it was really kind of cool to see Colby work through that. And, and, it, and it challenged me this week to be like, ah, and that's it. Like, can we step outside of what we think we should or shouldn't do and, and really actually step into God's perspective on it and be like, is he going to work? Can he work in this? Can he not work in this? Jesus entered into this system that had worked its way to becoming a works-based list of shoulds and shouldn'ts, uh, what, how it's been done. And you can, you can kind of say that he came to switch things up, to turn everything upside down down, right? To right the world in, in really kind of a very unconventional way at that time. Verse 37, and this is, this is kind of where he turns the corner, and he says this, John 7, 37 through 38, on the last in the greatest day of the festival, so the last day of this uh, feast of the tabernacle, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, and, and, and Jesus' brother at that time was like, dude, you got to speak up. You got to speak up. Like, Whose, whose ministry is, is, is in the shadows? And at this time, Jesus had kind of stayed in the shadows. He said, time's not, not my time yet. It's not my time yet, which isn't a lesson of itself. But on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from them. Jesus, this is, again, the third time of the year where people had gathered and he had stayed in the shadows in this festival. And he stands up and he says, all who are thirsty, come to me and drink and you will never be thirsty. You will never thirst in your life. Jump back a couple chapters. Jesus almost said these exact same words to the Samaritan woman in the middle of the day, was gathering water in the hottest period of the time when nobody else was going to be there because she didn't want to interact with anybody because she knew what would happen, the shame that would be on her and all this kind of stuff. So she goes to this watering well in the middle of the day, and Jesus says, and he, and he begins to unpack her life and, and how she's living her life, and he begins to call her into this new life, this new change in her life. And he says that to her. He says, you're thirsty. This is water, but I've got something greater than water. Whoever believes in me as scriptures will 
Rivers of living water will flow from them. And I like in this moment uh, where Jesus shares with his people of this day uh, what I consider in my life because, you know, I, I don't think we get the whole idea of being thirsty. Like, for the most part, most of us can just turn on our faucet, get a drink of water, we're parched the water, you know, in our fridge or multiple different so Like, that whole thirst thing is a little different concept. But for me, uh, it's the desire for more. Right? If I asked you, uh, in your life, do you desire more in your life? I think most all of us would be like, no, I actually do. I desire more. Like, I want more out of my life. Whether you're young and just budding into a career or you're, you're older and past your working years, it's still like, I, I want more in my life. I desire for more in my life. And, and this idea of thirst, this idea of, of flowing living water that Jesus is offering, uh, at that time they got that analogy. At our time, I think it's that desire for more, the desire for uh, more purpose and more meaning. Right? Is our lack of desire for more, or even, uh, even, even though we all, I think we all kind of want it, is, is the disruption that might come from wanting more, the discouragement from us getting there? Like, are we discouraged in our inability to get there? Are we discouraged with the change that might have to happen and the work that might have to be put in? And then Jesus says in, in chapter 8, verse 12, he says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Church, let me tell you this. Jesus is the light of this world. So wherever you are at in your life, whether you are convince yourself that things are really good and life is up and it's bright, or if you're in a dark spot, like maybe there is a lot of uncertainty like we talked about last week and questioning and, and struggling and all that kind of stuff. With Jesus, there is light and hope in that area. In the darkest of dark places in your life, there is light. So wherever you are at, if you are with Jesus, there is light. There is hope, like we talked about, the idea of it and what you're facing. Right? And, and, and this is where this interaction with Nicodemus comes in. It's not up on the screen. It's not in your program. But 7, uh, verse 45 through 52, it says, Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and the Pharisees, and they asked him, Why, why didn't you bring Jesus? Why didn't you bring him in? And, and they respond with this, no one ever spoke the way that this man does. And, the, and the, guards, the guards replied with that. And then the Pharisee says, you mean he deceived you also? No, but the mob that knows him and the law, they're cursed. See, Jesus' interaction with the people at this time, even the guards who were like supposed to go get him and kill him, Jesus' living and active words in their life convinced them that this man was different. There was something different about what he offered. 
And then it says, uh, the Pharisees retorted, have any of the rulers, have any of us, have any of us high-level people believed in him? And, and, and they say no. But then they talk about this Nicodemus. You remember two weeks ago we talked about Nicodemus came to Jesus at night, and then the flash forward is that Nicodemus was, was preparing Jesus' body in the end. His interaction with Jesus was that great that he was the one that was preparing the body in the, in the tomb to fulfill process, prophecy. Uh, it says, no, but Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own in number, he was one of the officials, the high-level officials. Uh, Nicodemus says, does your law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he is doing in your life? They replied, are you from Galilee too? I mean, look into it and you'll find that the prophet does not come out of Galilee. And, and Nicodemus is saying, man, you just need to hear him. You just need to, to, to connect with him. You just need to allow him to move and work and, and, and hear from him and you will see. They had worked their entire life to close off even the thought of Jesus being the savior of the world and coming to fulfill the law. All of it brings salvation to all, all of them, even them, even the people who they wouldn't associate with. And if you think back to that first verse, after this, Jesus went to Galilee, and he, he did not go uh, about Judea because the Jewish leaders were there looking to kill him. And what Jesus had done, he had been healing, and healed another paralyzed man, and he had taught and been te- teaching people, Nicodemus, the Gentiles, the Galileans, who were just focused on his signs and wonders, and he'd been teaching the Jews of that time. And all through all of this, his communicating it, and he was calling everybody to this new way of life, a new perspective. And, and, and for that, the official, the religious leaders of that day wanted him dead. Now, we can't ourselves go back and kill Jesus again. I've heard that said, like, well, we continue to you know, sacrifice Jesus on the cross. We can't. He's, he did that for us once and forever, it's done, it's finished. But what we can do in our lives is, 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 is uh, subjectively keep him on the cross. Keep him out of being living and active in our lives by, by, uh, uh, by pushing away change, by pushing away any sort of uh, creativity that he might have, any sort of direction that he might desire for us to allow him to fulfill and work in our lives by closing ourselves off to the way Jesus might work. Not saying go to the strip clubs and, 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 and witness to the dancers, but be open to it. Be open to the idea that Jesus is going to work in ways that you maybe would never guess, never see yourself in the situation. Maybe never a person you would like maybe not associate with that often. Or ever, but Jesus is going to choose you to allow a little bit of a mindset and a shift in, in how he might use you to reach somebody. I think oftentimes for us, I like, liken it to the idea of like keep our head down and just plowing through, right? We're going to plow through life. We just got to get through life. Instead of looking like up and, and, and seeing your surroundings and looking up towards Christ and looking forward to what he might have laid out for.
uh, I, I don't, I don't like sharing where I feel like God has like blessed me, like something right, uh, because I know oftentimes God's in, even in this, God's really working on me. But I find myself in that situation. Uh, Colby is playing uh, Magic the Gathering cards, right? You don't know what Magic the Gathering cards are? Pieces of cardboard, and and they play board games. You play bo- you play games with other people and. And you interact with people, and what I'm seeing my son do, and even what I'm able to do in this is rub shoulders with people who I would have, man, I don't know that I would have ever been in those situations, in those rooms, in those interactions. And this weekend, we were hanging out with a group of people, and, and I'm pretty, like, I don't, like, a lot of you are like, oh, you know, come meet my pastor. Like, the last thing I want to do in that room is admit to being a pastor right off the bat, because then mood of everything changes. And so I just sit and interact and relationally connect with these people. And this last weekend, these people, by a move of the Spirit, just brought up the idea of church. And I got to share with them, oh, pastor, really? Like, and so I got to interact with them. We talked about potlucks and we talked about relationships and building community and, and how much I love the community that they had accepted my son into. And it's, it's real unique in that, but also in, our, in, our, in Heather and I's fostering. I don't know that when we were married, that wasn't on the table. Like, I was like, I don't know. But we've begun to interact with people we would have never had the ability to interact with. And I'm not saying I got it right, because I don't. There's plenty of times where I just am like, no, 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 no. I'm going to just stay in my lane. I'm going to stay with my people or with all of you. I love you guys a ton. Love Sunday mornings. I'm good. Like, uh, you're not calling me there, are you? And I think that it's a miss if we aren't creatively looking at where God is leading. And so that this morning, I want, us, I want us to be open to that. I want us to, this idea of change and perspective is just the idea of allowing God the room, the opportunity, the guiding and leading for us to Change things up. Allow him to change things. Let's pray. Man can come forward. Lord, I, man, I thank you for your living and active word in our lives. I thank you for the way that you, um, that you are directing us, Lord. I thank you that you are speaking to our hearts and our minds. I thank you that uh, we praise you that you are, uh, you desire so much more for us. Lord, Lord, it is, it is my prayer, maybe our prayer, that you, um, that we would be attuned to that. Lord, that we would see and allow you to direct us in our lives and in every area of our life. The workplace, the, the household, the, the hobbies, the, um, the focuses, the, the uh, passions that we have, Lord. I pray, because I know it's your design, I pray that you would ignite those passions in our hearts for the people that you desire for us to reach, whatever they may look like, whatever they may act like, whatever they may uh, live like, Lord, that 
direct us. You connect us relationally in this way that you call us to love, Lord. Lord, thank you. We pray that God blesses you with this message. If you'd like to contact us, please reach out to us on Facebook at CTK Sudden Valley or visit our website at www.ctk.church. You can also find other episodes of this podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Until next time, thank you for listening.